Section three of Once a Week by A. A. Milne. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter two Winter Sport Part one An Introduction. I had better say at once, I announced as I turned over the wine list, that I have come out here to enjoy myself, and enjoy myself I shall. Myra, what shall we drink? You had three weeks honeymoon in October, complained Thomas, and you're taking another three weeks now. Don't you ever do any work? Myra and I smiled at each other, coming from Thomas, who spends his busy day leaning up against the wireless installation at the Admiralty. The remark amused us. We'll have champagne, said Myra, because it's our opening night. Archie, after you with the head waiter. It was due to Dahlia, really, that the rabbits were hibernating at the Hôtel des Angéliques, Switzerland, central heated throughout, for she had been ordered abroad after an illness to pull herself together a little, and her doctor had agreed with Archie that she might as well do it at a place where her husband could skate. On the point that Peter should come and skate too, however, Archie was firm. While admitting that he loved his infant son, he reminded Dahlia that she couldn't possibly get through Calais and Pontarlier without declaring Peter, and that the duty on this class of goods was remarkably heavy. Peter, therefore, was left behind. He had an army of nurses to look after him, and a stenographer to take down his more important remarks. With a daily bulletin and a record of his table talk promised her, Dahlia was prepared to be content. As for Myra and me, we might have hesitated to take another holiday so soon, had it not been for a letter I received one morning at breakfast. Simpson is going, I said. He has purchased a pair of skis. That does it, said Myra decisively, and gurgling happily to herself, she went out and bought a camera. For Thomas, I can find no excuses. At a moment of crisis, he left his country's navy in jeopardy and, the Admiralty yacht being otherwise engaged, booked a first return from Cook's. And so it was that at four o'clock one day, we arrived together at the Hôtel des Angéliques, and some three hours later were settling down comfortably to dinner. I've had a busy time, said Archie. I've hired a small bob, a luge, and a pair of skis for myself, a pair of snowshoes and some skates for Dahlia, a, a tricycle horse for Simpson, and I don't know what else, all in French. What is the French for a pair of snowshoes? asked Myra. I pointed to them in French. The undersized Robert I got at a bargain. The man who hired it last week broke his leg before his fortnight was up, and so there was a reduction of several centimes. I've been busy, too, I said. I've been watching Myra unpack and telling her where not to put my things. I packed jolly well, except for the accident. An accident to the boot oil, I explained. If I get down to my last three shirts, you will notice it. We stopped eating for a moment in order to drink Dahlia's health. 
It was Dahlia's health which had sent us there. "'Who's your friend, Samuel?' said Archie, as Simpson caught somebody's eye at another table and nodded. "'A fellow I met in the lift,' said Simpson casually. "'Samuel, beware of elevator acquaintances,' said Myra in her most solemn manner. "'He's rather a good chap. He was at Peterhouse with a friend of mine. He was telling me quite a good story about a wine my friend gave there once, when—' "'Did you tell him about your ginger beers at Giggleswick?' I interrupted. "'My dear old chap, he's rather a man to be in with. He knows the President.' "'I thought nobody knew the President of the Swiss Republic,' said Myra, "'like the man in the Iron Mask.' "'Not that President, Myra, the President of the Angelique Sports Club.' "'Never heard of it,' we all said.' Simpson polished his glasses and prepared delightedly to give an explanation. "'The sports club runs everything here,' he began. "'It gives you prizes for fancy costumes and skating and so on. "'Introduce me to the president at once,' cooed Myra, patting her hair and smoothing down her frock. "'Even if you were the treasurer's brother,' said Archie, "'you wouldn't get a prize for skating, Simpson.' "'You've never seen him do a rocking seventeen sideways.' "'Simpson looked at us pityingly. "'There's a lot more in it than that,' he said. "'The President will introduce you to anybody. "'One might see, er, somebody one rather liked the look of, "'and, er, well, I mean, in an hotel, "'one wants to enter into the hotel life "'and, er, meet other people.' "'Who is she?' said Myra. "'Anybody you want to marry must be submitted to Myra for approval first. I said. "'We've told you so several times.' Simpson hastily disclaimed any intention of marrying anybody, and helped himself lavishly to champagne. It so happened that I was the first of our party to meet the President, an honour which, perhaps, I hardly deserved. While Samuel was seeking tortuous introductions to him through friends of Peterhouse's friends of his, the President and I fell into each other's arms in the most natural way. It occurred like this. There was a dance after dinner, and Myra, not satisfied with my appearance, sent me upstairs to put on some gloves. It is one of the penalties of marriage that one is always being sent upstairs. With my hands properly shod, I returned to the ballroom and stood for a moment in a corner while I looked about for her. Suddenly I heard a voice at my side. "'Do you want a partner?' it said. I turned and knew that I was face to face with the President. "'Well,' I began, "'you are a newcomer, aren't you? I expect you don't know many people. If there is anybody you would like to dance with—' I looked round the room— it was too good a chance to miss. I wonder, I said, that girl over there in the pink frock just putting up her fan? He almost embraced me. I congratulate you on your taste, he said. Excellent. Come with me. He went over to the girl in the pink dress, I at his heels. Er, may I introduce? He said, Mr. Er, er, yes. This is Miss... Er, yes. Hmm. Evidently he didn't know her name. Thank you, I said to him. He nodded and left us. 
I turned to the girl in the pink frock. She was very pretty. "'May I have this dance?' I asked. "'I've got my gloves on,' I added. She looked at me gravely, trying hard not to smile. "'You may,' said Myra. THE OPENING RUN With a great effort, Simpson strapped his foot securely into a ski and turned doubtfully to Thomas. "'Thomas,' he said, "'how do you know which foot is which?' "'It depends on whose,' said Thomas. He was busy tying a large rucksack of lunch onto himself and was in no mood for Samuel's ballroom chatter. "'You've got one ski on one foot,' I said. "'Then the other ski goes on the foot you've got over. I should have thought you would have seen that. But I may have put the first one on wrong. You ought to know after all these years that you are certain to have done so,' I said severely." Having had my own hired skis fixed on by the concierge, I felt rather superior. Simpson, having bought his in London, was regarded darkly by that gentleman and left to his own devices. "'Are we all ready?' asked Myra, who had kept us waiting for twenty minutes. "'Archie, what about Dahlia?' "'Dahlia will join us at lunch. She's expecting a letter from Peter by the twelve o'clock post and refuses to start without it.' Also, she doesn't think she is up to skiing just yet. Also, she wants to have a heart-to-heart -heart talk with the girl in red and break it to her that Thomas is engaged to several people in London already. Come on, growled Thomas, and he led the way up the hill. We followed him in single file. It was a day of color straight from heaven. On either side, the dazzling whiteness of the snow above the deep blue of the sky, in front of me the glorious apricot of Simpson's winter suiting. London seemed a hundred years away. It was impossible to work up the least interest in the Home Rule Bill, the billiard tournament, or the state of St. Paul's Cathedral. "'I feel extremely picturesque,' said Archie. "'If only we had a wolf or two after us, the illusion would be complete.' THE BOY TRAPPERS, OR HALF HOURS AMONG THE ROCKY MOUNTAINS. IT IS A PLEASANT THOUGHT, ARCHIE, I SAID, THAT IN ANY WOLF TROUBLE THE BACHELORS OF THE PARTY WOULD HAVE TO SACRIFICE THEMSELVES FOR US. MYRA, DEAR, THE LOSS OF SAMUEL IN SUCH CIRCUMSTANCES WOULD DRAW US VERY CLOSE TOGETHER. THERE MIGHT BE A LOSS OF THOMAS, TOO, PERHAPS, FOR IF THERE WAS NOT ENOUGH OF SIMPSON TO GO ROUND, if there was a hungry wolf left over, would Thomas hesitate? No, said Thomas, I should run like a hare. Simpson said nothing. His face I could not see, but his back looked exactly like the back of a man who was trying to look as if he had been brought up on skis from a baby, and was now taking a small party of enthusiastic novices out for their first lesson. What an awful shock it would be, I said, if we found that Samuel really did know something about it after all. And while we were tumbling about anyhow, he sailed gracefully down the steepest slopes. I should go straight back to Cricklewood. My dear chap, I've read a lot about it. Then we're quite safe. With all his faults, said Archie, and they are many, Samuel is a gentleman. He would never take an unfair advantage of us. "'Hello, here we are.' 
We left the road, made our way across the snow to a little wooden hut which Archie had noticed the day before. Here we were to meet Dahlia for lunch, and here, accordingly, we left the rucksack and such garments as the heat of the sun suggested. Then, at the top of a long snow slope, steep at first, more gentle later, we stood and wondered. "'Who's going first? said Archie. "'What do you do?' asked Myra. "'You don't. It does it for you.' "'But how do you stop?' "'Don't bother about that, dear,' I said. "'That will be arranged for you all right. "'Take two steps to the brink of the hill "'and pick yourself up at the bottom. "'Now then, Simpson, be a man. "'The lady waits. "'Samuel, the... "'Hello. Hi. Help!' I cried "'as I began to move off slowly. "'It was too late to do anything about it. "'Goodbye!' I called. "'And then things moved more quickly.' very quickly. Suddenly, there came a moment when I realized that I wasn't keeping up with my feet. I shouted to my skis to stop. It was no good. They went on. I decided to stop without them. The ensuing second went by too swiftly for me to understand rightly what happened. I fancy that, rising from my sitting position and traveling easily on my head, I had caught my skis up again and passed them, then it was their turn. They overtook me. But I was not beaten. Once more I obtained the lead. This time I took the inside berth and kept it. There seemed to be a lot more snow than I really wanted. I struggled bravely with it. And then the earthquake ceased, and suddenly I was in the outer air. My first ski run, the most glorious run of modern times, was over. Ripping! I shouted up the hill to them. "'But there's rather a nasty bump at the bottom,' I added kindly, as I set myself to the impossible business of getting up. "'Jove,' said Archie, coming to rest a few yards off. "'That's splendid.' He had fallen in a less striking way than myself, and he got to his feet without difficulty. "'Why do you pose like that?' he asked as he picked up his stick. "'I'm a fixture,' I announced. "'Myra,' I said as she turned a somersault and arrived beaming at my side, "'I'm here for some time. You will have to come out every morning with crumbs for me. In the afternoon you can bring a cheering book and read aloud to your husband. Sometimes I shall dictate little things to you. They will not be my best little things, for this position, with my feet so much higher than my head, is not the one in which inspiration comes to me most readily.' The flow of blood to the brain impairs reflection, but no matter. "'Are you really stuck?' asked Myra in some anxiety. "'I should hate to have a husband who lived by himself in the snow,' she said thoughtfully. "'Let us look on the bright side,' said Archie. "'The snow will have melted by April, and he will then be able to return to you. "'Hello, here's Thomas. "'Thomas will probably have some clever idea for restoring the family credit.' Thomas got up in a businesslike manner and climbed slowly back to us. Thomas, I said, you see the position. Indeed, I added, it is obvious. None of the people round me seems inclined, or it may be able, to help. There is a feeling that if Myra lives in the hotel alone while I remain here, possibly till April, people will talk. You know how ready they are. 
There is also the fact that I have only hired the skis for three weeks. Also, a minor point, but one that touches me, rather, that I shall want my hair cut long before March is out. Thomas, imagine me to be a torpedo destroyer on the Maplam Sands, and tell me what on earth to do. Take your skis off. Oh, brilliant, said Myra. Take my skis off, I cried. Never. Is it not my duty to be the last to leave my skis? Can I abandon? Hello, is that Dahlia on the skyline? Hooray, lunch. Archie, take my skis off. There's a good fellow. We mustn't keep Dahlia waiting. A typical morning. You take lunch out today, no? said Yosef, the head waiter, in his invariable formula. Myra and I were alone at breakfast, the first down. I was just putting some honey on my seventh roll, and was not really in the mood for light conversation with Yosef about lunch. By the way, I must say I prefer the good old English breakfast. With eggs and bacon and porridge, you do know when you want to stop. With rolls and honey, you hardly notice what you're doing, and there seems no reason why you should not go on forever. Indeed, once, but you would never believe me. We take lunch out today, yes. Yosef, lunch for, let me see, six, suggested Myra. What are we all going to do? Archie said something about skating. I'm off that. But whatever we do, we must lunch, and it's much nicer outdoors. Six, Yosef. Yosef nodded and retired. I took my eighth roll. Do let's get off quickly today, I said. There's always so much chat in the morning before we start. I've just got one swift letter to write, said Myra as she got up, and then I shall be pawing the ground. Half an hour later, I was in the lounge, booted, capped, gloved, and patied, the complete St. Bernard. The lounge seemed to be entirely full of hot air and entirely empty of anybody I knew. I asked for letters, and, getting none, went out and looked at the thermometer. To my surprise, I discovered that there were thirty-seven degrees of frost. A little alarmed, I tapped the thing impatiently. Come, come, I said, this is not the time for persiflage. However, it insisted on remaining at five degrees below zero. What I should have done about it, I cannot say, but at that moment I remembered that it was a centigrade thermometer with the freezing point in the wrong place. Slightly disappointed that there were only five degrees of frost, centigrade, I returned to the lounge. Here you are at last, said Archie impatiently, "'What are we all going to do?' "'Where's Dahlia?' asked Myra. "'Let's wait till she comes, and then we can all talk at once.' "'Here she is. "'Dahlia, for heaven's sake, come and tell us the arrangements for the day. "'Start with the idea fixed in your mind that Myra and I have ordered lunch for six. "'Dahlia shepherded us to a quiet corner of the lounge, and we all sat down. "'By the way,' said Simpson, "'are there any letters for me?' "'No, it's your turn to write,' said Archie. "'But, my dear old chap, there must be one, because—' "'But you never acknowledge the bed-socks, I pointed out. "'She can't write till you—I mean, it was rather forward of her to send them at all. "'And if you haven't even—' "'Well,' said Dahlia, 
What does anybody want to do? Thomas was the first to answer the question. A girl in red came in from the breakfast room and sat down near us. She looked up in our direction and met Thomas's eye. Good morning, said Thomas with a smile, and he left us and moved across to her. That's the girl he danced with all last night, whispered Myra. I can't think what comes over him. Is this our reserved Thomas? Thomas the taciturn, whom we know and love so well? I don't like the way she does her hair. She's a Miss Alwyn, said Simpson in a loud voice. I had one dance with her myself. The world, said Archie, is full of people with whom Samuel has had one dance. Well, that washes Thomas out, anyway. He'll spend the day teaching her something. What are the rest of us going to do? There was a moment's silence. Oh, Archie, did you get those nails put in my boots? I looked at Myra and sighed. Sorry, dear, he said. I'll take them down now. The man will do them in twenty minutes. He walked over to the lift at the same moment that Thomas returned to us. I say, began Thomas, a little awkwardly, if you're arranging what to do, don't bother about me. I rather thought of, er, taking it quietly this morning. I think I overdid it a bit yesterday. We warned you at the time about the fourth hard-boiled egg, I said. I meant the skiing. We thought of... I thought of having lunch in the hotel, but of course you can have my rucksack to carry yours in, er, I'll go and put it in for you. He disappeared rather sheepishly in the direction of the dining room. Now, Samuel, said Myra gently, now what, Myra? It's your turn. If you have a headache, tell us her name. My dear Myra, I want to ski today. Where shall we go? Let's go to the old slopes and practice the Christiania turn. What you want to practice is the ordinary Hampstead straight, I said. A medium performance of yours yesterday, Samuel. But my dear old chap, he said eagerly, I told you it was the fault of my skis. They would stick to the snow. Oh, I say, he added, that reminds me I must go and buy some wax for them. He dashed off. I looked at Myra and sighed. The nail man won't be long, said Archie to Dahlia on his return. I'm to call for them in a quarter of an hour. Can't you wear some other boots, Dahlia, or your bedroom slippers or something? It's half past eleven. We really must get off soon. But we haven't settled where we're going yet. Then for Evings' sake, let's do it. Myra and I thought we might go up above the wood at the back and explore. We can always ski down. It might be rather exciting. Remember, said Dahlia, I'm not so expert as you are. Of course, said Myra. We're the Overland Mixed Champions. You know, said Archie, I was talking to the man who's doing Dahlia's boots, and he said the snow would be bad for skiing today. If he talked in French, no doubt you misunderstood him, I said, a little annoyed. He was probably asking you to buy a pair of skates. Talking about that, said Archie, why shouldn't we skate this morning and have lunch at the hotel, and then get the bob out this afternoon? Here you are, said Thomas, coming up with a heavy rucksack. 
Lunch for six, so you'll have an extra one. I'd forgotten about lunch, said Archie. Look here, just talk it over with Dahlia while I go and see about my skates. I don't suppose Yosef will mind if we do stay in to lunch after all. What about Simpson? I looked at Myra and sighed. What about him? I said. Half an hour later, two exhausted people, one of them with lunch for six on his back, began to ascend to the wood, trailing their skis behind them. Another moment, said Myra, and I should have screamed. Thomas and a turn. Myra finished her orange, dried her hands daintily on my handkerchief, and spoke her mind. This is the third time, she said, that Thomas has given us the slip. If he gets engaged to that girl in red, I shall cry. There are, I said, idly throwing a crust at Simpson and missing him, engagements and Swiss engagements, just as there are measles and German measles. It is well known that Swiss engagements don't count. We got engaged in Kent, a bit of luck. I have nothing against Miss Alwyn, I went on, except the way she does her hair. But she doesn't strike me as being the essential rabbit. We cannot admit her to the, er, fold. The covey, suggested Myra, the warren. Anyhow, she... Simpson, for goodness sake, stop fooling about with your bearded friend and tell us what you think about it all. We were finishing lunch in the lee of a little chalet high above the hotel, and Simpson had picked up an acquaintance with a goat, which he was apparently trying to conciliate with a piece of chocolate. The goat, however, seemed to want a piece of Simpson. My dear old chap, he won't go away. Here, shoo, shoo. I wish I knew what his name was. Ernest, said Myra. I can't think why you ever got into such a hirsute set, Simpson. He probably wants your compass. Give it to him and let him withdraw. Ernest, having decided that Simpson was not worth knowing, withdrew, and we resumed our conversation. When we elderly married folk have retired, I went on, and you gay young bachelors sit up over a last cigar to discuss your conquests, has not Thomas unbent to you, Samuel, and told you of his hopes and fears? He told me last night that he was afraid he was going bald, and he said he hoped he wasn't. That's a bad sign, said Myra. What did you say? I said I thought he was. With some difficulty, I got up from my seat in the snow and buckled on my skis. Come on, let's forget Thomas for a bit. Samuel is now going to show us the Christiania turn. Simpson, all eagerness, began to prepare himself. I said I would, didn't I? I was doing it quite well yesterday. You understand the theory of it, don't you? We hope to, after the exhibition. Well, the great thing is to lean the opposite way to the way you think you ought to lean. That's what's so difficult. You understand, Myra? Samuel will lean the opposite way to what he thinks he ought to lean. Tell Ernest. I am going to turn to the left, he said. Watch carefully. Of course, I may not bring it off the first time. I can't help thinking you will, said Myra. 
"'It depends what you call bringing it off,' I said. "'We have every hope of—I mean, we don't think our money will be wasted. "'Have you got the opera glasses and the peppermints and the program, darling? "'Then you may begin, Samuel.' "'Simpson started down the slope a little unsteadily. "'For one moment I feared that there might be an accident before the real accident—' but he recovered himself nobly and sped to the bottom. Then a cloud of snow shot up, and for quite a long time there was no Simpson. "'I knew he wouldn't disappoint us,' gurgled Myra. We slid down to him and helped him up. "'You see the idea,' he said. "'I'm afraid I spoilt it a little at that end, but—' "'My dear Samuel, you improved it out of all knowledge.' "'But that actually is the Christiania turn.' "'Oh, why don't we live in Christiania?' exclaimed Myra to me. "'Couldn't we possibly afford it?' "'It must be a happy town,' I agreed. "'How the old streets must ring and ring again with jovial laughter.' "'Shall I do it once more?' "'Can you?' said Myra, clasping her hands eagerly. "'Wait here,' said Samuel, "'and I'll do it quite close to you.' Myra unstrapped her camera. Half an hour later, with several excellent films of the scene of the catastrophe, we started for home. It was more than a little steep, but the run-down was accomplished without any serious trouble. Simpson went first to discover any hidden ditches, and to his credit be it said that he invariably discovered them. Myra, in the position of safety in the middle, profited by Samuel's frequent object lessons, while I, at the back, was ready to help Myra up if need arose, or to repel any avalanche which descended on us from above. On the level snow at the bottom we became more companionable. "'We still haven't settled the great Thomas question,' said Myra. "'What about tomorrow?' "'Why bother about tomorrow?' Carpe diem, Latin. But the great tailing expedition is for tomorrow. The horses are ordered. Everything is prepared. Only one thing remains to settle. Shall we have with us a grumpy but alwinless Thomas? Or shall we let him bring her and spoil the party? She can't spoil the party. I'm here to enjoy myself, and all Thomas's fiancés can't stop me. Let's have Thomas happy anyway. "'She's really quite a nice girl,' said Simpson. "'I danced with her once.' "'Right-o. Then I'll tell Dahlia to invite her.' We hurried on to the hotel, but as we passed the rink, the president stopped me for a chat. He wanted me to recite at a concert that evening. Basely deserted by Myra and Samuel, I told him that I did not recite, and took the opportunity of adding that, personally, I didn't think anybody else ought to. I... Just had persuaded him to my point of view when I noticed Thomas cutting remarkable figures on the ice. He picked himself up and skated to the side. Hello, he said. Had a good day? Splendid. What have you been doing? Oh, skating. I say, about this tailing expedition tomorrow. Er, yes, I was just going to talk about that. Well, it's all right. Myra is getting Dahlia to ask her to come with us. "'Good,' said Thomas, brightening up. "'You see, we shall only be seven, even with Miss Alwyn, and—' "'Miss Alwyn,' said Thomas, in a hollow voice. "'Yes, isn't that the name of your friend in red?' 
Oh, that one. Oh, but that's quite... I mean, he went on hurriedly, Miss Alwyn is probably booked up for tomorrow. It's Miss Cardew, who is so keen on tailing. That girl in green, you know. For a moment, I stared at him blankly. Then I left him and dashed after Myra. End of section three.